Hey everyone, welcome back to Ascend Student Ministries Anchored Podcast. Today will be our final episode for this week. As we mentioned earlier, two episodes were released on Monday, so this will be the fifth episode for the week, even though it will be released here on Thursday morning. But today we're in Luke chapter 17. It reads, And he said to his disciples, Temptations to sin are sure to come, but woe to the one through whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were cast into the sea than that he should cause one of these little ones to sin. Pay attention to yourself. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. The apostle said to the Lord, Increase our faith. And the Lord said, If you had faith like a grain of mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, Be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Will any one of you who has a servant plowing or keeping sheep say to him when he has come in from the field, Come at once and recline at table? Will he not rather say to him, Prepare supper for me and dress properly, and serve me while I eat and drink, and afterward you will eat and drink? Does he think the servant because he did what was commanded? So you also, when you have done all that you were commanded, say, We are unworthy servants. We have only done what was our duty." On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee, and as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered, The kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. Nor will they say, Look, here it is, or there, for behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. And he said to the disciples, The days are coming when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. And they will say to you, Look there, or look here. Do not go or follow them. For as lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one side to the other, so will the Son of Man be in his day. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, just as it was in the days of Lot, they were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But on the day when Lot went out from Sodom, fire and sulfur rained from heaven and destroyed them all. So will it be on the day when the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, let the one who is in the house stop with his goods in the house, not come down to take them away. And likewise, let the one who is in the field not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will keep it. I tell you, in that night there will be two in one bed, one will be taken and the other left. There will be two women grinding together, one will be taken and the other left. And they said to him, Where, Lord? He said to them, Where the corpse is, the vultures will gather. For today's nugget, we're going to focus in here on verses 3 and 4 in Luke chapter 17. As we read in these verses, it's focusing on what we're supposed to do when somebody sins against us. The verses immediately before also talk about temptations to sin as well, and we see that they're linked together in this thought of Jesus giving a mandate for how his disciples are supposed to act. And so when we look at verse 3 and 4, we're focusing on this thought of how we're called to forgive our brother or the one who sins against us. We're called to repeatedly do that. It says, if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. So first, let's talk about a couple of 
things that this passage is not talking about. It's not saying that you only actually have to forgive somebody seven times. That number seven there is really just shown as an example for the fact that you should repeatedly forgive the person who sins against you. The passage is also not saying that this number of times that you should forgive somebody resets in a day, even though it says if he sins against you seven times in the day. It's not saying that that's just he gets a certain amount of times that you're supposed to forgive them in a period of time. But instead, it's saying you're always to forgive another person who sins against you. We see this teaching in other places in the scriptures, such as Colossians 3.13, which reads, Bearing with one another, and if one has complained against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. As well as Ephesians 4.32, which reads, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So we see that in this passage, what we have is this thought that our forgiveness for others is part of our response to God for what he's done for us. And in fact, we're never more like God than we're, we're forgiving others in our lives. What do I mean by that? I mean that when Jesus and when God offer forgiveness to us as sinful people, they do so knowing that we can never repay them for what they've done for us. And so when we offer forgiveness to somebody else, what we're saying is we're going to cancel the debt that they have against us. And while we do that for small things that person might do in our life, maybe they might sin seven times or even 70 times, what we really understand is that God has forgiven us a much greater debt. The fact that he's forgiven us for all of our sins, not just our sins against this one person, but all of our sins against all people and against him as our holy God. I like to file this teaching into the category of things that are really easy to say and really hard to do practically. Because I know for me, as an individual, I struggle with forgiving people that I feel like have done the same thing to me over and over and over again. And a lot of that is because our culture teaches us, hey, we're supposed to be able to learn from our mistakes. We're supposed to be able to make and not repeat them. But the problem is that a lot of the things that we are forgiving people for are the fact that their sinful tendencies are coming into light in situations that are inconvenient to us. And what we can't control is when that happens. And what we can control is how we respond to that. And so we're called to continuously forgive these people. But the people that we forgive the most or are called to forgive the most are the people that sin against us the most are usually the people that live with us or the people who are around us the most. And so these are the people that we need to be able to consistently forgive to display how the love of God is gone out from our life. And another important facet of what that does is that continuously puts the gospel on display for those people, showing them that, hey, I'm allowed to and I'm able to forgive you because I know the power of the gospel has transformed my life life, and it's allowed me to offer this forgiveness to you, even though you don't really deserve it, because that's the same thing that God has done for me, offered me forgiveness when I didn't deserve it. So hopefully that's a reminder for us today on how we can truly be like Christ as we relate to the people around us, that we can be people who are forgiving them despite the fact that what they've done against us is wrong, despite the fact that they can't probably even repay us every time for what they've done, but offering and extending forgiveness because we have been forgiven by God of many greater things, and it allows us to put the gospel on display instead of upholding our rights or demanding things against these other people who have wronged us. 
As far as a question from this passage, the first place that my mind always goes for questions in this passage are the last words of the chapter. And so it says there, where the corpse is, the vultures will gather. And so this is obviously some sort of phrase that they probably use a lot that's not really something that we use in our day. But it depicts these vultures or these scavengers that are coming around something that's dead. And so what's important, though, is that what's dead is on the ground. The vultures are up in the air. And so you can see them from a long distance out. You can see that they gathered, you can see that they're circling. And when they're circling, what they're doing is they're making that kind of like perimeter around what they're looking at. And so it tells you the important thing is right under them where they're circling. So when we combine that with the rest of the teaching of this chapter, what it's really saying is, hey, you're not going to have to go looking for the day of the Lord or the day when the Son of Man returns. You're not going to have to go looking for that because the signs will make it visible is what's happening. The same way as it talks about the lightning here in verse 24, lightning's going to flash in the sky. It's going to be visible all over the place. So will the Son of Man be in his day. It's going to be evident that he has returned. It's not going to be something that they're having to search for or look for intently. Instead, it will be evident by the signs that are there. And so that's a question that you can see uh, is probably something that we don't really often think about first off because we don't use these types of phrases. But that's the meaning of these phrases. And that's what we want you to kind of search into God's word for. As you're seeking to answer these questions, what you're doing is trying to understand better things that are not common to us, things that are maybe first century in this instance customs or phrases or traditions or other things that are not common to us, trying to understand those better so that we can properly interpret and apply God's word to our lives. Because as we do that, what we're doing is allowing it to be more of an opportunity for us to understand rightly how God desires us to live today in light of the way he's revealed himself to us through his word. So we pray that you're abiding in that word, pray that you're seeking out those answers, that you're doing that with others so that you're building community, so that you're growing and being strengthened in your love for the Lord each day. Know today you are loved. You're